feels good to be back here. <laughs> it's been about a month since I did anything, so don't 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 look at me like that. What? I have to come up with a good intro. I can't just jump into everything. It's... Just listen. <laughs> okay, well, you got a weird face. <laughs> yeah. So it's been about a I've taken about a month off from this. This is Rookie Mistake, episode fourteen, and I have a special guest who so graciously agreed to help me out today with this uh, abigail green say hi hi <laughs> she's a little nervous so i'm gonna try to get this rookie under control while we do this and try not to mess up but yeah so about a month off it's bowl season so let's just go ahead and get started probably the the uh, the biggest story i guess finally wrapped up yesterday auburn hiring a new head coach they end up going with Brian Harson from Boise State, and it's kind of the end of a really frustrating saga. I don't know how much you've been keeping up with it, but it's it's pretty crazy. <laughs> it's been a disaster in the beginning. I mean, several coaches turned down Auburn for various reasons. Uh, Billy Napier from Louisiana was supposedly the leading candidate on Monday, and before noon on Monday, it came out that he had turned down the job because whoever had been running point on the search and said, yeah, we're not going to give you full authority to hire your assistant coaches. That's going to come through us. And he wasn't interested in that. So the same thing supposedly happened to happen with Bill Clark out of UAB. And yeah, I mean, so the latest report was that athletic director Alan Green basically just went rogue from the search committee and fired them and went and found this guy on his own and gave him full authority and went with Brian Harson. So... I mean, I don't know. I, I I like this hire. I know you may not necessarily care. You probably don't know anything about it, but all I know is that he's a good record. Mm-hmm. Over yeah, that's it's pretty solid. He's really he's won everywhere he's been. I think. I mean, his career record is seventy six and twenty four. It's nice little one hundred games. That's easy percentage to work out. And he's been all over the place. Did you know that Brian Harson is a guy who called the uh, Statue of Liberty play to beat Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl about. 14 years ago yeah i found I, that out last night i did know he was the guy who came in after us at a at arkansas state yeah. yeah arkansas state had an interesting couple of years there they had i think five head coaches in five seasons because everybody just left so they got they got left for a better job he's doing it again and after him. yeah you're right yeah just did a different job this time but yeah so brian harson played quarterback at boise state from 1995 to 1999 i think started out his coaching career there was a tight ends coach there, after being a graduate assistant for a year or two, got promoted offensive coordinator and then was offered the job at Texas. He was offensive coordinator at Texas for two years before he got his Arkansas State job. And for the last seven years, he's been at Boise State. Like Abigail said, 69 wins, 19 losses. Pretty good. I mean, it remains to be seen how much of that is him just being a good coach and how much of it is it being really easy to succeed at Boise State. I'm hearing that he's a really good recruiter. He has full authority over his staff, so we'll have to see over the coming days who he decides to have on his staff because he's coming from out west. I'm sure he has some connections out there, but he has virtually none that we know of in the southeast. And everybody, all the assistant coaches that Auburn has had under the last regime have lots of connections. Travis Williams, Cadillac Williams, uh, Cody Burns has connections. Wesley McGriff, the secondary's coach, uh, has connections. So we'll just have to see how that works out. But... I'm excited. 
Um, I, I do know that he does run a lot of trick plays, so yeah, that'll that's stay consistent. one thing that I heard. Yeah, and that comes from his background at Boise State, playing on playing and coaching teams that, from a talent standpoint, are just inferior to the guys they play. So you run trick plays to outsmart them. So that'll be interesting to see because I was bringing this up earlier in another discussion. I think that probably be a good thing for Auburn because you got just in their own division, Alabama, Georgia. No, not Georgia's in the East. Alabama, LSU, and Texas A&M are all teams that have more talent than they than Auburn does, in my opinion. And then Georgia and Florida in the East, of course, they don't play Florida every year, but they do play Georgia every single year. So that could be something that gives an advantage to Auburn, especially now in this time of turnover. Guys are going to be transferring. don't have a very good recruiting class at all as of right now. We'll see how that improves over the next month and a half until the what used to be signing day and is now kind of just like cleanup day. <laughs> with the December early signing period basically becoming the real signing day lately. But so let's go ahead and move on to something a little bit more interesting for you in particular. Uh, so other news that came out is uh, Dan Mullen being given a one-year show cause penalty up at Florida. And he's found to have, uh, quote, basically, failed to promote an atmosphere of compliance with NCAA rules as far as recruiting is concerned. He had impermissible contact with a number of recruits, I think it said in the Seattle area. So a lot of penalties thrown to them, including a $5,000 fine, which is kind of hilarious to me that they find them $5,000. I mean, that's not even a drop in the bucket for a program like Florida, even in this crazy year where programs aren't making any money, really, at least by comparison, 5000 is nothing. That's that's a rounding error. Kind of a kind of a slap on the wrist. Yeah, kind of it is, but it's kind of I guess what it is with the show cause is kind of like, hey, we're watching you, so don't mess up again, or we'll hit you worse. So we'll see how it goes. I believe he's still allowed to coach. It's just kind of it's just sanctions for recruiting for him specifically and a few members of his staff. But sticking with Florida, you know, of course they sort of had a big game on Saturday in Atlanta against the Evil Empire. <laughs> So why don't you talk to me about that a little bit? I've been kind of hogging the mic here. So right, I mean, well, we all watch the same game, right? Obviously, the um, SEC championship was uh, on Saturday. Um, it was a great game. Definitely kept Alabama and Florida fans on their feet. Um, you know, as an Alabama fan, I thought the game was over. Uh, coming out after halftime, and Florida just kept yeah, I did keeping on. You know, like they made really good adjustments. I, I will say that did. I was I was impressed with their adjustments. The defense was able to make a couple of key stops course ended up not being enough i think they had a costly turnover at some point in the third or fourth quarter i can't really remember um, i but, have definitely have the utmost respect for uh kyle trask um you yeah know, now that you've actually seen him play right yeah well you know guy <laughs> lost his starting job in high school and uh usually yeah, usually King. those guys um just transfer you mm-hmm. know move move to go to a different high school to get the playing time but you know he stayed and then um you know, guys at Florida saw his talent, and, you know, he was behind Felipe Franks for, for you for know. For some reason. Right? I, like, no I never really thought why. Felipe Franks was very good. And... Absolutely no idea why, but it <laughs> happened. Then he got hurt. He got his, you know, won the starting job um, and has been such a key factor for Florida ever since. So, you know, just yeah. for him to be in that situation and just to stay and, you know, really back up his you know, two teams for the majority of his career and, you know, be the second guy just for him to – come out and really show everyone what he's made of and you know actually be the front runner for the Heisman for a few weeks it's mm-hmm. just outstanding and you know what's kind of interesting too about that is he's actually really had like a Joe Burrow level year right really quietly because you know I believe 
eight and three. So that's eleven games now. Mm-hmm. I can't remember how. I think it's said he threw for three touchdowns on Saturday. So that would give him forty-three touchdowns in eleven games. That is right under four passing touchdowns per game, which was what Joe Burrow had. He had sixty passing touchdowns in fifteen games. Oh. So. You know, he had huge amounts of yards, huge amounts of touchdowns. He had a few more interceptions than Joe Burrow did, but Joe Burrow also had, like, four first-round receivers. Yeah. So, and, I mean, of course, Kyle Trask has Kyle Pitts, and which he won't for the bowl game. And Yeah, because he's opting out for that. Right, yeah, he's going to the draft, uh, Kyle Pitts, and uh, his running back. Yeah, Kadarius Tony. Yeah, I can't believe his name slipped my mind there. But, yeah, so I'm really interested to see what happens. I feel like he's probably not going to get... A chance to go to New York for the Heisman ceremony? You don't think so? I think with uh, two losses in a row, that is going to hurt him more than it really should. I, I think I think he has earned a place there, but you know the powers that be. A lot of guys don't get to go because their team loses too many games. Well, how many how many guys do? It depends every year. Sometimes it's I've seen it be as low as three. I've seen it be six or seven. Wow. It's really just kind of how many names there are. I feel like this year. You can make an argument for, of course, Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, and Najee Harris, which is ungodly. That is ungodly. (laughs) Uh, Kyle Trask is four, and that's just in the SEC. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, I think, should be there because I realize whether his stats seem to reflect it or not this year, he is truly, if not the one of the most outstanding players in college football. I mean, he makes Clemson a completely different team. Look at how they just steamrolled Notre Dame on Saturday. After you know losing in overtime to them in the regular season, and of course different factors there. Without that was a road game. Yeah, that was without yeah. Trevor Lawrence. That was a road game, and Clemson was kind of banged up. Other guys, well, uh, I guess that, that that may be it. You really, can make an argument even a little. Yeah, bit. I don't know. Not enough games. I would have said yes. Which is why they six shouldn't be in ago. the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, six and zero. Oh, that's that's not enough. I I. I Agree, and I don't agree with what you're saying simply because I don't know if you can really make a genuine arg- argument for somebody else that is, at least just in terms of raw talent, more talented than Ohio State. Because A&M has really surprised me this year. I mean, I've never really had great things to say about Kellen Mond. He's played really well this season. A&M's only loss is to Alabama. They lost by 30 points almost. I mean, that was a do we really want to see game. them again play Alabama? I don't. I don't think it would be that different. I think Alabama is just that good. And, you know, so I think it was ultimately the right move. I have issues with how the Big Ten handled it, you know, with trying to postpone the season from the beginning and basically, in my opinion, just coming back once they saw that everybody else was doing just fine. Mm. And even then when they did come back, having absolutely draconian protocols. I mean, 21 days and now supposedly they are going to after they already changed the minimum game requirements so that Ohio State could get into the Big Ten Championship game, they're apparently now changing their sit-out protocol from 21 to 17 days because it's apparently going to affect Ohio State's roster for the semifinals. So clearly this this entire thing was just for Ohio State. Yeah. I so mean, they're, they're real flexible for Ohio yeah, State, but exactly. what about everyone else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if Ohio State wasn't going to have the team that they were supposed to have this year, they probably would have never come back and then just sat out. In other news with NCAA, the NCAA granted a blanket waiver for pretty much all transfers this year and I think for the next upcoming year of sports. I'm not totally sure if it counts for football players, but it's going like guys who are waiting for eligibility waivers for transfers in men's basketball, 
they're all eligible now. So that's just kind of the latest in big changes for the sport just for this year because, you know, it's just been such a wild year in sports. But... but. I think it's a really beneficial um, plan, Jackson. I, I know you said you had a an example of where it was good. Yeah, so that's a little different. It's just kind of like in the same as related where the NCAA is supposed to be voting on a new rule in January for a one-time transfer rule. This has kind of been in the works for a while. For the last few years, people have been pushing for it. And it would pretty much allow any athlete to transfer to a new school and immediately be eligible. And I did a little research on this last night. I actually didn't know that this sit-out-for-one-year role doesn't affect every NCAA sport. It's only for football, baseball, men's and women's basketball, and men's ice hockey. Every other sport, like track, field, uh, field hockey, swimming, diving equestrian there is no such rule like that you just you can just transfer and be eligible so that's kind of what they're looking to do and i think this is i don't know what what do you think about that because yeah you know my feelings on it but right well things on it. <laughs> i don't know i mean that's a little interesting that um certain sports can and can't do that yeah like um, i didn't know that until last night yeah i I mean, you know, coming from a track girl, if, you know, if you're not happy at the school you're at, I definitely think you should be able to transfer and not have to sit out. But obviously, I'm very biased on that. Um, <laughs> but I think they do that just because they don't want uh, players to conspire together and, um, you know, just make one big powerhouse. Yeah, because those are all technically money sports. I mean, baseball and hockey and women's basketball, not really course football and men's basketball pretty much fund every school's athletic departments from top to bottom i mean even lsu i think makes or at least recently made like 500 grand in profit on baseball and that's it and they were one of the only programs in the country that actually is in the green for baseball so and of course ice hockey is a big kind of big thing up in big 10 country and out west in the rockies and stuff like that but those are obviously the most competitive kind of like widely covered sports so i guess that kind of makes sense because like you said yeah you don't want guys to go in and move to other schools and kind of have like things like on the down low from their old school like playbooks and stuff which is actually kind of something that i did write down i think a consequence of that of this one-time transfer rule could kind of be that a lot of schools are going to outright ban their players from transferring to other schools in the same conference some do that already but like a good example is Auburn has uh, Auburn had a transfer recently in uh, Trey Matthews. He played at Georgia, and they allowed him to just up and transfer immediately to Auburn without having to like go to junior college or anything like that. And other schools have blocked that from um, block blocked their players from going to other schools in the same conference because of those reasons, like playbooks and stuff, and just having like secrets and things like that, and it just kind of offset that loss. I think you could see. I could see a lot of coaches and schools outright banning that now with this one-time transfer rule because they can't stop guys from becoming eligible right. if it's their first transfer. So if a guy transfers out of Alabama, he has to go somewhere else. He can't go to Florida or South Carolina. That's not happening anymore, I don't think. I don't think that's going to be allowed at all. But overall, I do think it's a good thing that they're going to probably come up with this rule. I think the reports are that most of the people that are going to be casting these votes are kind of in favor of that. They know this. I think they know the system is a little broken because the NCAA has been wildly inconsistent on these. Uh, clearly, these transfer waivers. I mean, pretty much everybody who transfers applies for an eligibility waiver. Most are denied. 
but the big ones for guys like Justin Fields from Georgia to Ohio State and Tate Martell from Ohio State to Miami are just seemingly given eligibility to play immediately, whether they actually face any hardships or not. Where then you have guys like a player named Brock Hoffman who transferred from Coastal Carolina to Virginia Tech in an effort to be closer to his sick mother because he wanted her to be able to actually see him play on most weekends. And the NCAA said, no, you can't be immediately eligible for this. And it's like, that's an actual reason to transfer is to be closer to sick relatives instead of, oh, just, I'm not playing. Yeah, you just can't beat someone yeah, out. exactly. So it's going to fix that system. I think that's kind of a small injustice going on in the sport. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, like I said, it seems like most people casting these votes are in favor of this one-time transfer rule, so we'll see how that goes. That's supposed to happen at NCAAs. I think it's an annual rules meeting. I mean, yeah, they, they, they change rules a lot, all the time. So let's go ahead and move on to probably one of the two more exciting things that we have written down here. I know Abigail's kind of excited about this. I'm going to do a little uh, preview on SEC basketball because conference play is slated to start next week. So let's just talk a little bit about how ba- basketball season is going for... Let's just start with Alabama, just for you. <laughs> well, thank you. Because you're special. Um, well, you know, Nate Oates came in this year, and he's definitely... Um, that was last year, right? This is his second season. Yes, yes, yes. But, you know... Oh, that's not... Yeah, 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 I can take okay. it out. All right. Okay, but, um, you know, Nate, Nate Oates came in, uh, finally got his recruiting class. Um, I'm really excited to see what Bama will be able to do this year. You know, I don't know if we'll make the tournament. Always, always iffy about that. Um, but I am... Uh, really excited um to see how everything plays out especially with the sec um i know last uh last night alabama played uh east tennessee and um we won by 14 points which was nice but we also were missing uh john petty and james rose um because of coach's decision so i don't know i don't really know what that means i read a little bit about a confrontation but uh you know, definitely something that, you know, Nate Oates said that they would be back for the Ole Miss game. Um, and so it must not have been that big of a deal. Yeah. But No, exactly. Yeah, it's. I think it's going to be really interesting this year because you've kind of seen in the last few years along with, like, of course, Auburn has suddenly gotten very good. And there are some conversations that we had about how exactly that happened. I mean, of course, they're not going to the tournament this year, whether they qualify or not. They've imposed, self-imposed a ban along with some other sanctions over the last few years for FBI issues with a former assistant coach. But I think the SEC, there's kind of like an arms race going on with SEC basketball right now because if you've paid attention to other schools, Arkansas has hired Eric Musselman from Nevada, who was a tournament team under him for a few years. They had these two brothers, I think, if I'm not mistaken, who were really good and they kind of had a tournament run. So he's an experienced coach. Texas A&M hired Buzz Williams from Virginia Tech, who's a really good coach. Um, Alabama, of course, hired Nate Oates from Buffalo, who had a tournament team, and they upset Arizona in the first round. So SEC schools are investing in men's basketball like they never really have before. Kentucky's kind of just dominated the conference for as long as anybody can remember for the most part. Speaking of Kentucky, though, <laughs> they are 1-5 and five for the first time in 94 years, I think. That is, at least for non-conference play. That puts them at dead last in the SEC. And, of course, that's not going to affect standings when conference play starts. Nobody's going to care that they're 1-5 right now. If they're 10-0 and 0 in the conference, they're going to be at the top of the conference. Right. Mm. Just, but, oh, how the tables have turned. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, it speaks volumes about John Calipari to me. Mm. Just because, I mean, I think he's obviously a great recruiter. He has a leg up on everybody. 
And the last two of the last four years, I think they've kind of had a lot of early season issues. We'll see if these issues persist into conference play. I know uh, one of their player, one of Kentucky's players, uh, Cameron, his last name escapes me at the moment, but he was asked to step back from the team for, I think, disciplinary reasons. It was. Yeah, and he's supposed to be a big, a big freshman guy for them. B.J. Boston is another guy who people have high expect- expectations for, but it doesn't seem to really be going that way, I guess. Now, I mean, we'll see. Like I said, I think the arms race is on. Everybody really wants to be good at basketball. I think maybe you could say this is kind of Auburn's fault. People have seen Auburn, a perennial doormat in the conference, really kind of on the rise under Bruce Pearl. And, and of course, all that football money, right? I mean, it's got to go. It's got to go somewhere. But as far as just standings and how this is going to go, I think it's actually going to be really interesting. As much as Kentucky has struggled, I do think they're the best team in the conference right now, if not the second best, just because of you know long-term success, how guys improve as the season goes on. I think Kentucky and Tennessee are one and two in the conference. Pretty clearly, I mean, Rick Barnes over there in Knoxville has a really, really good recruiting class, returning a lot of scores, so they're in good position. I, I'm not really sure who would be third, if you ask me. I think I think it's too early now. Yeah, like some guys, some people are saying LSU, some people are saying Florida. I think after one and two, probably through about tenth place, it's going to be really in flux. I think I could even see a lot of these teams in this conference cannibalizing each other and just kind of somebody beats. Team A beats Team B, who then beats Team C, who then beats Team A. Well, that sounds like a very exciting season for everyone. And frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, so it could be really really wild uh, coming through. And, of course, we'll see how uh, some games, if some games get postponed and or canceled as conference play starts. I mean, I don't think it's hurt many teams too much. Auburn is 6-2. Alabama is 4-3 or 5-3. So... Guys are playing games. South Carolina's been hit really hard. They're only one and two this far into the season because they keep having games canceled on them. So we'll see how that ends up affecting some teams. I wouldn't be surprised if some teams get screwed out of SEC tournament seeding because of canceled games and not having enough games, even if they have beaten the team that's above them. But, yeah, and then as for the bottom of the conference, I feel like that's pretty clear. The two Mississippi schools, obviously. Georgia, who, you know, under Tom Crean, but... Not really doing all that great. And then Vanderbilt is, of course, the doormat right now. I mean, I think three league wins in two years. Maybe less than that. Maybe two in three years. Because there was a year where they were 0-18 in the SEC pretty recently. Yeah, it's it's not Sounds pretty like football for them. Team. But, yeah, so let's go ahead. Uh, what do you think are some players to watch in the SEC? I know you're probably going to just think about Alabama players. Are you, are you not ready for that? Um, I mean... <laughs> Uh, Jaden Shackelford really went off last night. Um, yeah, I've heard good things about him. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what he can do. Um, you know, didn't really watch the game last night. I was actually at the Huntsville High game, so <laughs> much rather would have been watching the, the Alabama game. But gotta go big red. Gotta support. <laughs> <laughs> I know Jackson's kind of over high school. Doesn't really want to think about it. Yeah. Um, well. a, a, a lot of guys. That I know don't really think Alabama's going to be any good. You know, like Auburn's going to run the state in basketball. I'm kind of just stepping back and waiting to see because I thought hiring Nate Oates was a great move by Alabama. I mean, he's had re- he had really good Buffalo teams. You know, he's proven that he can recruit. I think it. I think it get really could get really interesting in Alabama for just the basketball rivalry, of course, because Auburn has kind of run things the last couple of years. I don't know. We'll we'll see. It'll be really interesting. So. 
my players to watch are probably uh, BJ Boston from Kentucky. I would say obviously, and I don't actually know many other players' names. I need to do a little bit more research on SEC basketball other than Auburn. But as for Auburn, people need to watch out for Justin Powell. He kind of wrestled the starting point guard job away from uh, Terrell Jones, who is now transferring. Right? We said that, uh, he has decided to move on to another school. Powell is kind of filling in for Sharif Cooper as he deals with an NCAA probe. But I'm hoping that by conference play next week, he's been cleared to play because the other day he was granted a waiver by the NCAA to practice with his team. And he hasn't been able to do that until now. He's just been kind of off doing his own thing because the apparent investigation into his dad's finances, who's an NBA agent. I don't really know why they're choosing now to do that when they had a year to look into it right. since he's been signed for that long. I mean, they cleared him first, and then now they're coming back. Yeah, in. well, I don't even remember even hearing anything about Because it wasn't issues. a big deal until... But, yeah, it wasn't a big deal until the season started, clearly, yeah. I mean... And he's, you know, you get you get Sharif Cooper back, your team's going to get five times back. Yeah. He's a yeah, great Yeah, Auburn player. will absolutely transform that because as great as Justin Powell has been, that guy is a shooting guard. He, he has just a lethal three-point jump shot. And he's really gotten better. He's really great basketball IQ. He, it's been really interesting to watch him get better and better the more games as he started as point guard. But I think if he gets to be on the court with Sharif Cooper at the one and Powell moving to the two, I think that could be just deadly from out, from the outside. So a lot to look forward to there. Like we said, I think Kentucky and Tennessee are probably the front runners in the conference. Three, two, three through ten are kind of in flux. We'll just have to see how teams do i mean florida's supposed to be getting Keontae johnson back he was released from the hospital recently thankfully of course you know he had a, a uh, difficult battle with something i still don't really know what the reason i don't think they've released a really comprehensive report on what exactly happened i know just he collapsed while walking to the sideline during a timeout and was in critical condition for several days i heard it might have been uh one of the strands from the from covid yeah that's i've thought that people have kind of been thinking that because it was i think they said it was a heart issue yeah, but of course it's he not had official, it in the summer so we have yeah we have not no heard what that is maybe we will maybe we won't but it's good to see him the you important know, thing up is and he's about out of that's the hospital. yeah that's it's a real relief because that was it was troubling it was scary to see all right so now we'll just go ahead and move on for our last little segment here of the show we've got some big bowl games coming up i mean we're kind of just at the bottom of the barrel right now and we'll Start getting to the better stuff as the uh, next couple of days pass. But I asked Abigail to write up a bunch of stuff for each bowl game with a ranked team playing just because those are the ones people really care about. So we'll go ahead and start with, I think, the first game on your list was uh, the first responder bowl, right? Yes, um, it's with number 19, Louisiana, versus UTSA. Um, okay. You know. Sunbelt co-champions. <laughs> right. Louisiana right. Lafayette, despite losing to Coastal Carolina in the regular season, they're still co-champions because they can't play the championship game. But um, Well, know. like Jackson <laughs> said earlier, uh, Billy Napier, how do you say his Billy name? Billy Napier. Yeah. So he was heavily considered for the um, the Auburn job. Yeah, until he was um, told that uh, he would not be allowed to hire his own guys for his staff. He said, yeah, I'm just going to stick with my job down here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he said he was uh, heavily committed to the Raging Cajuns. So, you know, with something like that and uh, just to see, um, you know, for his players to see that, you know, he's not going anywhere, I think that'll really just um, ignite a fire. And I think you know, Louisiana is uh, favored by two touchdowns yeah. with the early I line. think that's for a good reason. UTSA isn't a very good football team, personally. I mean, I did get to watch a game or two from them earlier this year. 
But yeah, Lafayette wins by a lot, I think. I think they're just a superior team in every way. So next, uh, we got the Cure Bowl. I believe that's Saturday. And it's between Liberty and Coastal Carolina. And of course, this game was supposed to happen as the regular season finale for the Flames and the Chanticleers. And Liberty had to back out because of coronavirus issues. In a, and within three days before the game, Coastal Carolina announced that it had scheduled a game with BYU for that weekend instead. And BYU came all across, all the way across the country. And I don't know if you watched it. I watched that game, and it was amazing. BYU came one yard short of winning the game. It was like 22 to 16 or something. Something. Yeah, it was yeah. it was a really good game. So Liberty and Coastal are getting a chance to play in the Cure Bowl now, which I don't know why Coastal is getting the Cure Bowl, but well, whatever. Well, this is actually uh, Coastal's first uh, bowl trip. Did you yeah, know that? Yeah, because uh, they're a recent uh, team. They only recently came up from the FCS levels, and I okay. think they're finally out of the transitionary period. So, yeah. yeah but I, Coastal's had an outstanding season. Um, they have, and so is Liberty. This it's going to be an interesting game. Hugh Freeze and Jamie Chadwell are the coaches. Of course, some people are thinking that Hugh Freeze may be getting another job, possibly back in the SEC. I'm not really sure who's going to win this one, just because Freeze's offense has been so good. But I think I'm going to go ahead and go with the 12th-ranked Coastal Carolina team. I think I'll, I'll hop in right behind you. Um, I think it'll be a good game, but I think they'll pull it out in the end. Yeah, so we're watching that. All right, uh, I got the Cheez-It Bowl next. Of course, that is number 21, Oklahoma State, versus number 18, Miami. What are, what are your views on that one? I don't know. Oklahoma State has really disappointed me this, this season. I thought they were going to be really good, and they kind of proved to me that they're just what they've always been. I mean, they had a really good start to the season, and they inexplicably lost to Texas. Their defense has been really good. Chuba Hubbard has opted out, I believe, of the rest of the season. They got whacked by Oklahoma like usual. I mean, like that's actually really freaky. I've talked with Ethan about this, but just go look up the series history for uh, Bedlam, which is the Oklahoma-Oklahoma State rivalry game. It's insane. I'm pretty sure it's now 90 wins for Oklahoma to Oklahoma State's 18 wins. That's a job. Yeah. Wow. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. Yeah, I think it's been five years now since Oklahoma State won one of those games but yeah not not great Miami is interesting too their whole team is kind of Derek King honestly I mean their defense isn't great you could see that when they played superior competition in Clemson and North Carolina Clemson beat them 42 to 17 North Carolina beat them 62 to 24 so their defense is kind of uh easily (laughs) defense is not good run over (laughs) yeah yeah well, De'Aaron King has put up over 3,000 yards of offense um, and actually 26 touchdowns. Passing? Just overall. Or overall. Yeah. <laughs> That's less than I would have guessed. Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely think he's a, the game changer for Miami. Um, and even though uh, Oklahoma State has the 39th best ranked defense in the country, saw that earlier. Um, That's lower than I thought it was, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely think De'Aaron King uh, pull it out. All right. I think I will roll with Oklahoma State. Yeah. Well, just we'll see, see how that goes. I know they're not supposed to have Chuba Hubbard. I just I think that Oklahoma State gets a few turnovers in the game because that's where they've really shined. Even though their ranks aren't as high as they were, they've generated lots of takeaways. So we'll see how that goes. The Alamo Bowl between Colorado and Texas, uh, old enemies in the Big 12, interestingly enough, before Colorado bailed and went to the Pac-12. 
but I don't. Texas is ranked oddly enough. Twenty. Yeah, uh, I don't think they're all that great, but uh, I don't know. I mean, Sam Ellinger is my personally. I think Sam Ellinger is one of the better quarterbacks in the country. He's really struggled this year, and there's a lot of questions about Tom Herman's job. And honestly, I think quite honestly, if they lose this game against Colorado, you may see him get canned. I'm not sure if they will, though. Uh, what, do, what do you think? What do you have? What are your notes for this game? Um, I just, you know, this is Sam Ellinger's last last game in a college uniform. Um, he just recently passed the uh, the 10,000 yard mark um, in his career. So, <laughs> I'm not much to say about this team because you know haven't been pleasantly surprised this season. Um, yeah, I think he's pretty close to passing Colt McCoy in the record books if he hasn't already, which. It's interesting because Colt McCoy is an otherworldly quarterback by comparison. Yeah, but I, I, te- I think Texas will walk away with one. Yeah, I you think they'll win? I, hmm, that's a tough one. I really li- I like me some Colorado Buffaloes, but yeah, I think I'll go with Texas too. I just I think they're going to, at the end of the day, have more athletes. Even if they're not, even if they don't, they don't have the best coaches, they have better athletes because they're Texas. So, All right, so next, this is an exception to that whole uh, ranked games that I told you about because I forgot I wrote this one down. Uh, the Liberty Bowl between West Virginia and Army. Army's kind of had an interesting story this week. You know, they were 9-2, and two, and they were originally left out of a bowl game on yeah, Sunday completely. Yeah, they didn't give them one, and they gave uh, South Carolina. Yeah, one, South Carolina, kind of Tennessee, Arkansas, Mississippi State. They all got bowl bids. However, I believe yesterday, Tennessee, or maybe it was Monday, Tennessee just kind of backed out of the Liberty Bowl because they're saying they're having coronavirus issues, and Army jumped on that. Uh, took their bowl bid from them, and they're going to get to play West Virginia now. So good for them, because for a lot of these kids, this is their last game before they got to go serve our country. <laughs> and they have they have earned the chance. I mean, they beat Navy, they beat Air Force, they won the Commander in Chief's Trophy, took it back from I think Navy got it last year. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting because Army, you know, runs that triple option stuff, and it would, they're really exciting to watch. You ask me, they really control the tempo, and I don't know, I uh, I like them to win. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know you don't have anything written down, so you, you probably don't even know what I'm talking about. Yeah, all right, so the next one is Citrus Bowl. A little uh, little close to home. we got Auburn versus number 14, Northwestern. So what do you think about that one, Abigail? Well, you know, Auburn's 5-4 and four in the, you know, in games. 6-4. Um, 6-4, and four. Six and four, excuse yeah. me. Um, you know, I think, I, I really like Auburn. You know, even as an Alabama fan, I you find myself pulling for them. Um, every single weekend, except, You're a better person than except me. in I can't November, do that with the other team in the state. Well, I have surrounded myself with Auburn fans, so I have I have Which learned. Is so awesome. I have learned to to be respectful. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think Northwestern is going to win this one because Auburn is two of seven since 2014 in bowl games. Two, two, two out of seven. So two yep. and five. Yeah, two and five. Yeah, I don't know. Northwestern showed me a lot. Last weekend, you know, they went into halftime up on Ohio State, 10-6. to They had that acrobatic, acrobatic interception. You know, they, they create a lot of turnovers as a defense. It's a great play. They, it was a great play. I mean, he just extended his body and caught that with one hand. I, I mean, know. Yeah. They, they create a lot of turnovers. They have a strong defense. But they showed me in the second half they just don't really have the horses. I think Auburn has better athletes, and I know they're going to be coached by Kevin Steele. Yeah, just you in know, this game, I think not having a real coach is gonna take take a toll on uh, Auburn. But yeah, you, know, you could totally be right. I mean, they can pull it out. They, I definitely think they have the better athletes. Um, I, you know, the second half always wins the game to me. Yeah, I, I'm gonna roll with Auburn. Of course, I can't pick against my team. You know that understandable, <laughs> but yeah. I can. So 
<laughs> That's true. Yeah, you can. All right, so now we'll go ahead and move to the New Year's Six. These are all clearly the best games. I mean, I'm surprised how few great matchups there are. There are, I felt like. It's kind of weird. I feel like there's usually more in a typical bowl season. Of course, this is not a typical bowl season, but we'll Anything start with... typical. Yeah. May it be over soon. All right, so we'll start with the Cotton Bowl. We've got number seven, Florida, versus number six, Oklahoma. I think this is a great matchup. Yeah, I mean, they I, this I really one well. like it. Yeah. Number six, they got this one seven. right. Yeah. So, you know, Florida, of course, coming off SEC championship loss. Oklahoma coming off a Big 12 championship win. They're sixth straight. I don't know here. I mean, I, mean, I think I think this game's going to be a shootout. It's yeah. two great offenses, you know, with uh, you know, Kyle Trask, you know, his trio with Pitts and Tony. Um, you know, Although mean, Pitts isn't going to play in the game. Right. Yeah. Take that back then. That <laughs> I mean, that, I think that'll hurt, but I still think, you know, I was talking to him up earlier. Kyle Trask is just, he's a guy. He's a great, he's a game changer. Um, you know, that loss from Alabama, I mean, that's going to hurt. Um, you know, I've heard multiple times that, you know, like Alabama beat you twice. Like you play him one, you play him one week and then you're beat up for the next week. So mm-hmm. I definitely think this game could go either way, but um yeah, I'm going to back up SEC on this. Yeah, I'm going to go with Florida, too, because I just think Kyle Trask is a better quarterback than Spencer Rattler is, and as talented as Oklahoma is, and as well as they have played since starting off 1-2, and two, they haven't lost since. Yes. I think that by the end, Kyle Trask makes more plays than Spencer Rattler does. They get a late touchdown, maybe even a late turnover off of a younger quarterback, and they walk away with a win. If they play the way they did against Alabama, they, they will win, They will right? win. Yeah. The next one is... The Peach Bowl between number eight Cincinnati and number nine Georgia is an interesting matchup for me. Cincinnati all season long has had a really good defense. They don't allow a lot of a lot of points. If teams get to the red zone against them, they don't allow a lot of touchdowns. I think Georgia's offense, while they have been better in their most recent weeks with JT Daniels, I just don't believe in their offense here. You think their, since his defense, defense is going to be better? Yeah, I think since his defense will make a couple of stops and. I don't. I still don't know though. I mean, it's tough. I. I mean, Cincinnati's undefeated for a reason, but I don't know. What do you got written down for this? Um, I actually was gonna leave you to pick this game. Um, yeah. because I, you know, while I was doing my research, I kind of came up inconclusive. Um. Yeah. I think. I mean, I also up? think it's a good, good matchup. Give me a real toss up. I don't know. I, I really don't like Georgia, so I'd like to pick against them, but I gotta make educated guesses here. So, I think I will end up. Going with Georgia just because they have, you know, they have better players. I mean, that's why I picked the last couple of games. I picked Auburn because I think they're going to have better players. I picked Texas because I think they're just going to have better athletes. I think Georgia has the same, but, I mean, Cincinnati could win pretty easily. Um, So we'll just go ahead and go uh, Fiesta Bowl. This is a weird matchup. You know, we got number 25, Oregon, who won the Pac-12 last weekend, and number 10, Iowa State. So this is a really interesting matchup. Oregon, I think, is four and two. Yes, and they they won the Pac-12. Yeah, it's embarrassing. <laughs> Absolutely. I think Iowa State wins this game. I, Me too. I I think they played really well this season. They had a really tough. They got a really tough break at the end of their game with Oklahoma. I think Matt Campbell is one of the best coaches in the country. I mean, I think they I think they run this back and they win. I mean, Oregon's just an inferior opponent. They're less experienced, at least on offense. So Cyclones win. Yeah, you agree? Exactly. Oregon, Oregon is just honestly just horrible this year. Pac-12 is horrible this year. It's, you know, I'm hoping Iowa State will just bury them. And, uh, All right. 
We go to the Orange Bowl then. Number 13, North Carolina versus number 5, Texas A&M. I'm going to take Texas A&M on this one. You know, Kellen Mond just, you know, controls the field. Didn't really didn't really have the respect for him before this year, um, but really came in and just uh, really gave Texas A&M a shot. I personally think they should be in the playoffs. Um, but, you know, like me and Jackson were talking earlier, Alabama did beat them by 30 earlier in the season. And, yeah. you know, we no one wants to see another Alabama A&M matchup where – um, Bama just blows it out of the water and basically gets a bye week. Yeah, which I mean they may end up getting anyway, but yeah. yeah. But North Carolina, North Carolina has been just such a confusing team this season. It's so weird. I mean, I had them as my dark horse to win the ACC. Quite honestly, I really like Sam Howell. He's an amazing quarterback. They've had two great running backs that have just been easily the best one-two punch in the country down there in Chapel Hill. And I don't know. I mean. One week they hang 70 points almost on Miami, and then the other they struggle to do anything. So that's interesting. Yeah, I think I'll go with Texas A&M, too, at the end of the day. Yeah, they just, you know, A&M has a chip on their shoulder right now. Yeah, def- they definitely mad. do. They're pissed. Well, they're either pissed or, I hate this excuse, you don't want to be there. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I hate that excuse. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and then so the last two we got to pick are our semifinal matchups here. The first one is the Rose Bowl. Notre Dame versus Alabama, and although I am going to be rooting against them from the very beginning, I'm going to have to take Alabama. I mean, they're favored by 19 as of this morning, 19 and, a half. and for a reason. It's gone up to 19 and a half now. Yeah, there's a reason for that, and it's not just because money keeps coming in for Alabama. Like They are a completely different class. Notre Dame showed us last weekend that they're not, they're not there yet, so Alabama wins. Yeah, I mean... You can't have Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, and Mac Jones and, and not, you know, put up a... Obviously, you've seen this whole season. Yeah. These just, guys are outstanding. Nobody's been able to stop them at all. No, so. they, they are in a league of their own. And, you know, Notre Dame got absolutely embarrassed last week. And um, I'm hoping to do the same thing. But, you know, always rooting for a good game. Um, always rooting for a good game. Yeah. Well, we can only hope, right? And the last one is Sugar Bowl... Uh, number three, Ohio State. Number two, Clemson. A rematch of, I believe it was the Fiesta Bowl last year. That was a really great game. Ohio State lost at the very end because of mis- miscommunication between Justin Fields and his receiver that led to a easy interception for Clemson to seal the game. It's going to be really interesting. Um, Ohio State, obviously because they played less games, I think they're a lot fresher than everybody else. They just don't have nearly as much wear and tear, but... Clemson is just a different animal. Yeah. I mean, I know Ryan Day thinks that they're going to beat the expletive out of everyone, and, you know, I appreciate that confidence. But, you know, Dabo Swinney has built a monster over there in Clemson. This just Trevor Lawrence's last postseason. Like, if they lose, this would be his last game. I don't think he wants to lose. <laughs> I don't think they're going and to And I lose. don't think they're going to go down 16 nothing really quick like they did last year. That wild game last year. Yeah, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is insane. Um, ETN's insane. It's just, you know, powerhouse after powerhouse. Um, but, and Ohio State also struggled with, you know, Northwestern last week. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't look the great. In the first half, in the first half. Um, yeah, and I know. mean, really, they didn't even look that great in the second half, quite honestly. I mean, they kept getting stopped. And missed a few field goals. Justin Fields turned the ball over a lot. If he falls into that same hole against Clemson where he turns the ball over, throws some costly interceptions, maybe loses a fumble or something, they're not going to have the opportunity to come back like they did against Northwestern. They're, Clemson has just as much talent as they do, unlike Northwestern. So 
if they make any mistakes, I think Clemson makes them pay for it. I think they end up winning. And we get, drum roll, yet another exciting national championship between Alabama and Clemson again. So, <laughs> Well, you know, can't, can't really argue against the two best teams. No, I guess you can't. So, all right, that wraps everything up here. I think it's a good time to just go ahead and quit. So thank you so much, Abigail, for joining me on this. I hope you had fun. I did. I hope we can do this again. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Ethan, come back. (laughs) She doesn't want the job, man. I mean, I like it, but I just think you do better than me. (laughs) I'll make sure he hears that. All right. So hopefully we'll see you again next week. If not, we'll see you uh, the week after that. But thank you all so much for listening. And remember, you can follow the show on Twitter at RookieMistakePC for show updates questions things like that i happen to think it's a pretty good follow even though i haven't been very active on it the last few weeks for a number of reasons but yeah thank you for listening everybody see you soon